morning, everyone. If you have a spouse like mine, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you hear, you'll never guess what I dreamed about last night. I've tried to convince Sherilyn over the years that talking about our dreams really isn't that interesting. Oh, really? So I was there with you, but it wasn't you. And I was at home, but it wasn't home. And, you know, dreams are really not that interesting when you tell them to other people. They, they might be interesting to you. And what I do find interesting about dreams, though, is how sometimes we, we have similar kinds of dreams. You and I might share dreams like maybe we're flying. Have you ever had a dream when you're flying? Maybe you have a dream that you're falling, and maybe you shake yourself awake and, and realize, oh, good thing that was just a dream. And maybe you have a dream that you're out in public, you're in the grocery store, you're at school, you're at work, you're, maybe you're standing in the pulpit, who knows. And all of a sudden you realize you have no clothes on. What kind of dream is that? Well, I don't know what it means. But when you wake up, I'm sure you feel exposed. You feel like you were vulnerable in that moment. You, you're not comfortable with the fact that you're out in public without clothes. And that kind of dream is, for me, that's like nightmare fuel 101. You wake up just, I don't, I don't like that dream. Would it surprise you to know that God once asked one of his prophets to walk around in this world for three years, naked and barefoot. You know that story? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 20. I was studying through Isaiah 20 recently, or the book of Isaiah recently, and, and I came across this chapter. And, and honestly, when I got to Isaiah 20, I, I felt kind of bad because I never knew this story was in the Bible. Isaiah is one of the books, one of the larger major prophets that we really don't cover in exhaustive depth. In our Bible classes, we kind of skip through it a little bit and hit on the highlights, but we don't get into it as deeply as some of the other books in the Bible. And so when I got to Isaiah 20, I, I was kind of surprised that this was actually in the Bible. Now, in the context of what Isaiah is talking about here, in chapters 13 through 23, God is pronouncing a series of oracles or judgments, messages to the nations around Jerusalem. He covers in chapters 13 and 14 Babylon. The end of chapter 14, he covers Assyria. Those were two obviously very important nations in Israel's history, in Judah's history. He talks to Damascus. He talks to the nations of Tyre and Sidon and, and that area over there. He talks to the Philistine nation. And in chapters 18 and 19 and going into 20 here, he's talking to Cush which is Ethiopia, south of Egypt. And in chapters 19 and 20, he's talking to Egypt. And we know Egypt, we know Cush, or Ethiopia, south of Egypt. We know that region or area. And so the oracle that he has against them, like all of these oracles, are very negative. Basically, God is saying, you're going down. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to judge you for your inequity, for your poor treatment of my people. But when we get into chapter 20, God shifts his focus slightly, and he begins turning his focus to Israel and to any of the Lord's people who would think that when Assyria comes in and begins to try to take over Jerusalem, which they fail at, and Samaria, which they succeed at, if you feel like running and hiding in Egypt 
or in Ethiopia, don't do it. Don't go down there. When Assyria comes in, don't run away. And here's what happens. In chapter 20, verse 1, in the year that the commander-in-chief who was sent by Sargon, the king of Assyria, came to Ashdod and fought against it and captured it. At that time, the Lord spoke to Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your waist and take off your sandals from your feet. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. And if that's where the story stopped, you might think, well, he took off his sandals and his clothes for a few hours and maybe put them back on. But we continue the story in verse 3. Then the Lord said, as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years as a sign and a portent against Egypt and Cush, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian captives and the Cushite exiles, both the young and the old, naked and barefoot with buttocks uncovered. I don't expect you'll hear the word buttocks from the pulpit often, but there it is. The nakedness of Egypt, verse 5. Then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush, their hope, and of Egypt, their boast. And the inhabitants of this coastland will say in that day, Behold, this is what happened to those in whom we hoped, and in whom we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria. And we, how shall we escape? So God tells Isaiah to go around for three years, naked and barefoot, to warn people not to go down to Assyria, or not to go down to Egypt and Cush. Because if you do, Assyria is going to go down there, and they're going to pull you out, they're going to strip you down, and they're going to walk you right back. Don't go down there for protection or safety, because there is no protection or safety there. And so that's God's warning. And if you didn't know this was in the Bible, now you know. And God has told Isaiah to do something very extreme. And we could get into the story in a little bit more detail, but I just want to sort of glance off of it and get your first reaction this morning. Are you willing to bear it all? It's kind of a play on words slightly, but are you willing to go as far as the Lord requires of you? Would you, like Isaiah, be willing for three years to spend your life naked and barefoot? What is the request? What is the command of God that is too far, that is too much for you? To wear sort of that straw that breaks the camel's back. You just have to throw up your hands and say, nope, I'm out, God, sorry. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I mean, just really put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. Sorry, he doesn't have shoes. Put yourself in his position and ask yourself the question, am I dedicated enough to the Lord to have listened? and to, to have obeyed him. Am I, today, in 2021, am I willing to go that far for God? Or would I just have to say, no, I'm sorry, I'm out? It's a good question that we can ask ourselves. Anytime we get to these things, like you go to Abraham and the fact that he's, he's called to kill his only son, would I do that? You know, would I do some of these difficult things that he calls on his prophets to do? Would I go to that extreme? And obviously, the ultimate example is Jesus. Would I have gone to that extreme to save the world? But in this example of Isaiah, would I have listened to God? And so I want to talk about dedication this morning. Let's talk about how dedicated we are. And this is going to be a question-heavy lesson. This is going to be a sort of reflective, introspective-heavy lesson. So hopefully you'll follow along with these things. The first question that maybe is helpful for us to ask is, have you counted the cost? 
And put yourself in Isaiah's position here because as a prophet of the Lord, you don't think he expected to have to do this. This was not in the job description. You know, he probably could have easily said to God, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I expected to have to do. I mean, surely God has asked his prophets to do lots of strange things. Shave off part of your beard, throw part of it in the fire, marry a prostitute, and then here, walk around naked and barefoot for three whole years. That's a, that's a pretty hefty cost, I think. If any of us could just think of ourselves having to do that and really stew on that, meditate on that, I mean, all of the, that's just, it's humiliating, it's embarrassing, it's, it's vulnerable, and you wouldn't want to have to do that. But have you counted the cost of discipleship for the Lord? And, of course, you know where we're going. We're going to go to Luke chapter 14. That is exactly where we should go when talking about the cost of discipleship. There is a cost in following Jesus. And throughout his ministry, he never, he never pulled punches trying to explain to people what is involved in being a Christian. And we need to be careful not to pull punches today, too. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Do you think Jesus was serious about that? Jesus is using some extreme language here. He cannot be my disciple. If you don't hate your own family, if you don't hate your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And he goes on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Go down to verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is putting the costs of discipleship on full display. And of course, he's not saying we have to hate people, and he's not saying that we literally have to carry a cross. He's being figurative here, and he's making sure we understand the extent of the dedication he requires of us. If our family comes above the Lord, you cannot be his disciple. If your life comes above the Lord, you cannot be his disciple. If you don't give up everything you have and let it all go for the Lord and value those things less than God, you cannot be his disciple. Jesus makes it very clear. Being a Christian is a serious thing, and, and there is a lot required of us. We may obviously never be asked to walk around naked for three years and barefoot for three years, but we are asked to give our lives. And we are asked to put Jesus first. Matthew 19, as he speaks to the rich ruler, and he presents to him this, this question, what am I lacking? What am I missing? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything you have, give your proceeds to the poor, and you will be perfect. You will be complete. And what does he do? He goes away sorrowful. He walks away, throws up his hands, and says, that's too far. Now, I don't know if the rich man ever actually did that. My hope is that somewhere down the road he did decide and, and come to his senses, but all we see of this rich man in the scripture is that, is that he walked away sorrowful. This was too much. It's too much to pay. And, and, 
And is this too much for you to pay? Is the cost of discipleship too much for you? David, back in 2 Samuel chapter 24, when talking about buying the field to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord for the sins that the people had committed in numbering the people, when, when, when offered the field as a gift, he says, I'm not giving the Lord anything that costs me nothing. It's easy to throw the Lord our second best. It's easy to throw the Lord the things that doesn't cost us very much. But sacrifice isn't sacrifice unless it costs us something. And what the Lord requires in our dedication is to pay the cost. And are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to let go of your life? And so maybe the good question we can ask ourselves, what do I still lack? That was the rich man's question. What do I still lack? What am I missing? What have I neglected? What have I overlooked? Is there something that I'm lacking? Is there some area of my life that I haven't given over to the Lord? Is there some area of my life where I have put above Jesus in my priorities? And that's a personal question. And only you're going to be able to answer that. But it's a good question for us to ask, I think, from time to time. And just take stock. Obviously, we need to count the cost before giving our lives to the Lord. But I think it's important that we... Check up on that regularly throughout our discipleship, throughout our walk with the Lord. Am I paying the price? And am I, am I missing something? So maybe another good question that we can ask is, are you wholehearted? Are you wholehearted? Are you all in for the Lord? Now, in Isaiah's time, you'd have to imagine that it's kind of hard to do the naked barefoot thing halfway, isn't it? <laughs> You don't just half-heartedly enter into an activity like that. You're either all in for three years, naked and barefoot for the Lord, or you're not. You don't just do that halfway. And wholeheartedness is important when we talk about dedication. Because we can't just give a little bit of our heart. We can't just give a little bit of our life. And so you go to John chapter 2. And what happens in our discipleship? is we develop this passion and zeal and excitement for the Lord. And we, we just fill up our hearts with serving him and doing his will. And that leads us to do some very unnatural things, some very different things in the world. Wholeheartedness looks awkward sometimes and weird and strange to the world. I mean, for example, imagine Jesus here in John chapter 2. Imagine him, an itinerant preacher who the Jews viewed as a blasphemer and a nobody, the son of a carpenter. Imagine him walking into the holiest institution on the planet, the temple, the household of God. Imagine him walking in there with a whip. That's not normal. That was outside the conventional norms of their religious society. But here he is going in there to kick out the money changers and those who were making a mockery of the temple. And his disciples remembered in verse 17 of chapter 2 what is written back in Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was all in for the work of the Lord. And sometimes that meant he, with reckless abandon, went against the culture. He said things, he did things, he acted in ways that were just out there and different and strange. And isn't that what we see in Isaiah? That's not normal to walk around naked and barefoot for three years. 
But being passionate about the Lord, wholehearted and all in for him, means when we go out into the world, people don't view us as one of them, as just a normal person. They view us as different. We're peculiar people. We're God's special and chosen generation for his own purposes. Revelation 3. We've been talking about it in our Bible classes, and Mitch did a great job explaining in Laodicea the problem that was going on there with a lukewarm church. God doesn't want us to be halfway. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. I know when I ask my daughter to go in and clean her room, and five seconds later she comes back out, I know she did a lukewarm job, and all I have to do is walk in there and use my eyeballs and scan around on the floor and realize that she missed half the things that she needed to pick up. We all do that from time to time. We all slip into just giving half of ourselves or part of ourselves or the least available part of ourselves to the work. But we need to be all in for God. We need to do everything He's called us to. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 12 talks about our bodies being a living sacrifice and our minds being transformed completely. This is holistic. We're not holding some part of ourselves back. And so maybe the question that's helpful for you today is what dark corners of my heart have I not considered lately? Is there some part of my heart that I'm holding back from the Lord? Is there some secret sin that I'm hanging on to? Is there some, is there some bitterness or some anger or some problem that I just can't let go of? Some baggage that I'm unwilling to not only look at, but, but let go of? God wants your whole heart. And we can't serve him halfway or part of the way he demands it all. And so maybe another question we can ask ourselves is, what are your priorities? Now, you go back to Isaiah, and you have to imagine, walking around before this command was given to him, you have to imagine that some of Isaiah's priorities are probably like yours. I don't want to go out and be embarrassed. I don't want to go out and be exposed. I don't want to go out and have people mock me and hate me and think of me very strangely. And then the Lord's command came. Take off your clothes and your shoes for three years. And all of those priorities were wiped away because what God wanted came first. God's command came first. And anything that Isaiah wanted, anything that Isaiah was passionate about or, or, was, or was demanding, it all just got wiped away when God told him to do this. And for us, it's the same thing. Luke chapter 10, when Jesus is there in the house with Mary and Martha, you know, sometimes we get so busy with things. And we get so wrapped up and anxious about things like Martha was. What was she doing? She's, she's anxious about cooking. She's rushing around with hospitality. She's so busy. But what is Mary doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. And Mary chose the good part. Our priorities are important because we can so easily get distracted by the things that we think are important at the time. But are they really important? Is it really important to be comfortable in this world? Is it really important for people not to, not to look at us strangely? Is it really important for us to have our dignity? Is that so important? Or is it more important to follow the Lord? Is it more important to follow his direction, 
his instruction because clearly Jesus talks about in, in quoting the Shema back in Mark chapter 12, the two great commandments. The most important in Mark 12, verse 29, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Our lives hang on these two commandments, don't they? Our lives are, are prioritized by what these things talk about. We love our God with everything that we are, wholehearted, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. And we love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. And that's our priority. Listening to God, serving other people. And, and are we busying ourselves, though, with other things? Are we using other things as an excuse not to do what God has told us to do? You can go back to Haggai, one of my favorite chapters in Haggai chapter 1, where the Lord's people are busying themselves and doing a lot of other things working on their own houses, feeding themselves, growing their crops and everything, but they've neglected the Lord's work. The Lord's house is left in ruins while they focus on themselves. Are you prioritizing yourself and your own comfort more than putting it all out there for God and bearing what he has called you to bear in this world? And again, maybe a good question for ourselves what distractions steal my time and attention away from the Lord? Because I guarantee you there's plenty of times in my life where I've looked around and the, the hours have just slipped away because I'm watching television or I'm scrolling around on my, on my phone just looking at social media or whatever it is. Or I've just I've done something or I've gotten myself involved in some activity that's just sucked up too much of my time. What is stealing your time from the Lord? And, and I really want you to view it that way. I really want you to think about it that way. What is taking your time and forcibly taking your time and attention away from the Lord? If there was, for example, if every night somebody came into your house and stole something out of your house, and every single night they kept coming back and stealing something from your house, wouldn't you want to know why they were doing that and, and how to make them stop? But sometimes we walk out onto our front yard and we make a big sign that says, come in and steal my time and attention. Every time we turn on the TV, every time we, we get involved in scrolling around on our phone, are we allowing our time and attention to be stolen away from God? We need to make him a priority in everything we do. And we need to make other people a priority in everything we do and not let anything get in the way of being dedicated for the Lord's service. You get that these are kind of challenging questions, and they probably step on your toes. And as I was meditating on this lesson, honestly, my toes hurt a lot. <laughs> and so if you're feeling that way, just don't know that you're not alone, because these are important things that we need to be asking ourselves from time to time. Have I diluted the Lord's commands, or am I really taking him as seriously as I need to? And so the last question this is kind of a different one, but it's in reference to community. Are you available to others? Because here's the thing. If I were in Isaiah's position, I may very well have said, okay, God, I will take off my shoes and my clothes, but guess where I'm going to stay? I'm going to stay right in the darkness of my house. 
would that have done the job? Would that have accomplished the goal? To shut himself up in his house and hide away from the world for three years? I'm not talking about the pandemic here. <laughs> that's, that's what happens sometimes in our minds. We, we, we feel like it's okay for us to, to pull ourselves away and isolate ourselves. What I'm really talking about is our tendency sometimes to do that from the world. To hide from the world, to hide our lights, to put it under a basket and, and draw back from people and not be available to them, not be available to the church and not be available to the world who needs us so desperately. But Isaiah had to go out there because if he was going to save one person's life from not going down to Egypt and Ethiopia, then going out there in public for three years was worth it. It was worth it. And maybe the questions that, that we need to be reflecting on or focusing on is what is Jesus? What was Jesus' priority? I mean, here, back in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, the story of Jesus sitting there and, and parents wanting to bring their children to Jesus. And this happens so often with the disciples. What do they do when people want to bring their children to Jesus? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're not bringing them to Jesus. Jesus is too busy. He's got too much going on. He needs to stay over there by himself and quietly meditate. Don't, don't bother Jesus. Don't bug him. And when Jesus finds out about this, he rebukes them and he was indignant, saying, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not inherit it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Jesus was available to others. Now, sure, he went off in, at times to meditate and be alone, but so often he was in the middle of people with crowds of people surrounding him, like in Luke chapter 8, when that woman with the discharge of blood touches him, and he has to stop in the middle of the crowd and say, who touched me? And his disciples are like, who touched you? There's people everywhere. What are you talking about, Jesus? And he turns to her, and what does he say to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. I mean, the fact that he calls her daughter, the fact that he's available to her, even in, this, even in the middle of this crowd. And oh, by the way, he was on his way to go do some more miracles. He was busy at the time. As busy as we are, as, as, as involved as we are, we need to be available to people. We need to be interruptible. We need to be out in the world. And serving the Lord like that. Paul talks about how in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 through 18, he talks about how he's being poured out as a drink offering. And in other places in Corinthians, he talks about how he will gladly be spent and spend himself in the service of other people. Paul's mission was to just pour out his life to help people. And the question is, are we available like that to the world? Are we available like that to our brothers and sisters? If somebody calls you up at the last minute, no matter what you have going on, are you willing to drop all that stuff to go help a brother or sister do what they need to do or to talk to them or counsel them or work through something with them? Are you available to people? Are you available to people in the world who need you, who need your influence, who need to see, as, as Caleb prayed, the light of God coming from you. They need to see that. Are you available to them? 
And if this pandemic has done anything, it's, it's caused a lot of us to draw back and to isolate ourselves. But we understand that we cannot be available to people when we're just shut up in our homes, when we're, when we're too afraid to get out there. We, we can't be available to people when we're like that. And Isaiah would not have done the job if he would have stayed in his house naked and barefoot. He had to get out there and go and do the Lord's will in this world. And so maybe the, the last question I'll leave you with is, what parts of myself am I holding back from others? Is there some part of my life, some part of my heart, some part of my time and attention, is there something that I'm holding back from others? Something that I, I'm not making available to them? Maybe I'm not making my my true self available to other people. That's a problem. It's called hypocrisy. When we have two faces in different situations, we need, to be, we need to be, again, wholehearted in our service, but we need to be available to people. And what's mine is yours. My time is yours. Take advantage of me. And that kind of attitude is what Isaiah had, and it's the kind of attitude we should have in our service to the Lord today. Take out your songbooks and turn to the number that's been announced. Are you willing to bear it all? I am really glad that Greg decided not to lead the song, He Bore It All, because in the context, the connotation there might not sound exactly correct. But here's the thing, by the way. If you go study the crucifixion and the fact that his clothes were taken away from him, there is a, there is a strong reason to believe that Jesus spent his entire time on the cross naked. Completely naked. Not in the artist's rendition where there's a little cloth there, but humiliated and completely naked. And I don't want to get super deep here or super depressing here, but Jesus was willing to go all the way for you. He was willing to do everything for you. And are you willing to give your life to him and dedicate every part of your life to him? If you are, then we can help you with that this morning by baptizing you. If you need the prayers of this group for help in some way, please come as we stand and sing. Give me 